watch out! Welcome to the Gossip Stone Podcast, where we talk about the Ocarina of Time randomizer and its community, focusing on racing, the competitive scene, and offering tips and thoughts to the community as a whole. And today's hosts are... Hi, I'm Yoshi. Uh, I think I'm probably the community's biggest advocate for Dungeon Skulls. I'm Emo Soda, and I like Endor Entrance Randomizer. And joining us today, we have What the Hell's Happened. Hey guys, thanks for having me, and I really like Full Entrance Randomizer. Ooh, pretty spicy. And today's episode is... Opening Routes and Sanities. Everything having to do with all the weird settings, anything you won't see as part of the S3 standard settings. So that includes everything from... Well, like we said, Entrance Randomizer, uh, both Overworld and Endor, Song Sanity, uh, things such as Shuffled Egg, Ocarina, Shops, and so on. Just like to give a quick shout out as well to Shadowfix, our behind the scenes uh, tech editor, uh, moral support more than anything, sound check, editing, he's an absolute wonder for this. This podcast wouldn't be here without him. And for today's Rando Recap. Uh, both the NA and EU weeklies, well, they were both Jet Seeds this week. Yeah, we've not really had this in a while, it feels like. We've had a couple of really terrible train wreck weeklies in a row, and all of a sudden it was the week that uh, Trenta was banned from rolling seeds. They were both really fast. Who would have thought? Uh, not so much banned, but uh, I don't know. I think he's on vacation right now. Uh, forced, after... forced vacation, yeah. <laughs> yeah, almost a full month of just slog seeds and, you know, three to four hour, five hour seeds. I mean, I don't think we saw anything like five hour, but but yeah, these uh, seeds are they're, they're both Jets. Uh, both the first place finishes under two hours. Uh, NA Weekly, uh, we got a one hour, 54 minute and 53 second finish by Gavaroni. And the E Weekly this week was a one hour, 59 minute and 59 second finish by Zephyr. Very impressive. Yeah, there's there's really not much to say about the, either of these, really. Like, I think the most notable thing was the EU Weekly, seeing just how many people skipped Zora's domain because they were like I'm one or two items from go mode and they just left behind the magic on the torch run but otherwise not much I'm getting kind of sick of uh, the domain torch run I, I had one of my challenger cup matches this week and let me tell you I lost because of it I never checked it oh jeez everyone has those one those checks you know the first bow for most people in EU weekly was Dampe digging um Another one of those awful checks that people just kind of leave out the way, but it's technically early. But yeah, and for the most part, but yeah, both pe people just rushed through these seeds, didn't leave things behind. And yeah, two sub two hour times for the winners kind of shows that. Yeah, I mean, we were both there. Oh, Yoshi and I commentated the EU Weekly this week, and I think we had a lot of fun, but uh two of the restream runners uh 
did not finish, and two of them had a pretty okay finish, low twos. But yeah, not too much to say other than that. Yeah. Dive straight into the Season 3 tournament matches then. Um, and the first one that we've not spoken about, I mean, we might have exactly the right person here to talk about it. Yeah, it was uh, What the Hell's Happened, uh, the fourth seed in the tourney versus Mr. Mario, uh, the 29th seed in the tournament. Pretty interesting match. Uh, what the Hell's Happened did early Deku into adult, which was pretty massive this seed. Uh, there was a 30, 30 choose total in Deku with a hook shot and hammer, letter and long shot in adult. It just catapulted what the hell's happened in the seed, and uh, he just had all the momentum, really. Uh, Mr. Mario also crashed, uh, lost only really a little bit of time, so I didn't really bother asking for the uh, fair play agreement uh, to uh, to apply it in the race. Mm -hmm. but, but other than that, uh, there were two bomb bags in Child Spirit on both child checks, no less. Like, I was going to ask with this one, like, when you're playing it, do you do you feel ahead if you if your opening route massively pays off or is it just like a they're gonna do this anyway it doesn't matter? Uh, the the I think the big thing was I don't remember exactly but the big thing that made me do Deku early was the red rupee and I know not many players do that with just the red rupee pretty much and then with the fact that it was thirty choose that was kind of insane but the real thing that made me feel ahead was that uh, Boulder of Destiny Grotto, right outside of Market, had a Lost Woods Baron hint. So already, I kind of assumed, like, okay, if there's no explosives, like, from here to Lost Woods, then potentially maybe my opponent is not going to see that hint, because, like, why would he go back there? So I was already feeling pretty good. But then, as adult, uh, I dipped, uh, what was it, Stone to Dongo's Cavern, and that gave me Rudo's letter and the long shot. So already at that point, I was like, okay, at least this early adult isn't, at least it's paying off uh, at this point. But, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think Miss Mario, he had a pretty conservative route. Uh, I think he just did three song, if I'm not mistaken. And while he did go to Deku Tree, I think you were, at the time, you were in the, the stone... Dodongo's Cavern, like you were saying, and uh, it really just uh, propelled you forward in the seed. Yeah, and then I think the next uh, big separation part was we had double Kakariko Way of the Hero, and we didn't really get anything good because we had Epona Song, but then we had a long shot that was accessible, so already there's not much. We had Zora Tunic, but then we got both wallets. Uh, so at that point, I kind of said, okay, I'm going to rush 20 Sculptulas, and then that gave me a strength upgrade. But at the same time, I got that uh, strength, and Mr. Mario had 12 Skulls. And then everything kind of went from there. Since we had to do everything in the seed, it looks like a, an 8-Skull lead uh, an hour and 30 minutes in. <laughs> turns out it's bigger than we might think. So that was the, the real separation part, I think. Mm -hmm. And it, yeah, it's worth saying, like, there wasn't that much of a distance between the two of you by the end so for everyone listening what the hells did win this race by about 27 minutes in the end but it was a three near three and a half hour seed which a 27 minute difference across three three and a half hours does come down to that thing like you say the skull routing the opening route that kind of stuff yeah and shadow temple uh stone shadow having the light arrow we had shadow temple wave the hero <laughs> and then we didn't have it, like, we kind of skipped the hint, I guess, because we could just go to Shadow, because we couldn't really get baited into anything. 
And then the second CAC way of the hero was, of course, Nocturne on burning CAC for the light arrow. So that was a pretty nice end of seed, especially that it was Bongo, just to make it even longer. And I think the, the commentator said uh, every check was was seen on that stream <laughs> in that race. So that's that's pretty oh, cool. Wow. Yeah, you said uh, there was an eight skull advantage. Do you remember which skulls they were? Uh, I don't remember. Well, because I do remember watching the VOD that in my early adult, I had eight skulls at the end and I dipped forest. So that was two more. So that was 10. And then, uh, I don't know. It was like, I did half of child CAC. I did two in fire. Uh, I guess it was kind of the standard ones. It's just that, I don't know, maybe I went out of my way for two or three and then he didn't go out of this way for and that ended up being a big difference because we didn't have nocturne so you couldn't really go back even though maybe you're close to 20 you can't really go back quickly so i think that was the problem yeah it's kind of like the difference between like if you went to deku tree and you only got the one skull by the chest and the upper deku tree but you don't get any of the basement ones but maybe in that seed you would have gotten all the basement ones and the one up up top so it's kind yeah. of that kind of a difference in, in skull routing, I think, that really uh, kind of separated the two of you. Well, it did work because I, I went to Deku with only a red rupee, so I only had three skull, uh, three sticks, so that was only one skull. But then there was a slingshot, so that that ended up that made made that not matter. That was good. Mm, yeah. So moving on from there, you go on to face Glitchy. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm excited for that. I think it's going to be a good good all Canadian matchup. World record for 100%. It's a good challenge. It's a hard second round match, but I think sure, it's going to yeah. be a good match. Uh, Mr. Mario, on the other hand, will go on to face Westifer in loser's bracket. So uh, I was going to say tough matches all round, but I guess that applies to pretty much anyone in the bracket at this point. <laughs> I believe in Mr. Mario. He's going to go in a big run in loser's bracket. You just watch. It's happening. Uh, talking of a big run in loser's bracket, we had a loser's bracket round one match as well. So Duke, the fifth seed, already knocked down to losers, came up against Cloudike, the 21st seed. This one was a fairly straightforward seed for the most part. Not a huge amount to gain or lose throughout, just little bits of execution and kind of follow your way of the hero, follow your progression. So Cloudike skipping Midos. You double dip Midos. That's that's the new meta. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm if I'm not mistaken, didn't Cloudike in his first race rush chickens? Yeah, I believe uh, Cloudike as well as Engineer in their first matches they they rushed chickens and it worked out for Engineer, but Cloudike uh, not so much. <laughs> but yeah, um, it was a pretty linear seed, Juke versus Cloudike, and. Uh, they did a lot of the way of the heroes, which led to more items, which led to more of the of the dungeons, really. There's not too much to say about it. Um, yeah, I think the only thing that really needs mentioning at this point is that Duke did win it. Uh, just about sub-230 in that one. So Cloudike is the next player eliminated from the tournament already. And uh, who... Who does Juke face and who does Cloudike face in the tournament next? I think they're waiting on some results in that one. Cloudike's out. 
Cloud Oak was eliminated with that one, and Duke will face the loser of Killer App and Rosca Tyrant. Right, I guess it is loser's bracket, so that does make sense. Uh, moving on here, uh, the next match, uh, winner's bracket round two, uh, one of the very few that's happened so far. Uh, the ninth seed, Milkilla, versus the eighth seed, Keizo. So pretty close match overall. And, I mean, it showed kind of going through. They were fairly even right up to the end. I would even say that Keizo and Milkilla here are two players in the tournament that play pretty similarly to each other. They both take kind of large risks. I'm... I'm going to say something that I, I think some people might disagree with here. I think both of these were people who got a very high seeding from that were rewarded with the Jets in qualifiers. I, I think both of them do better on Jet seeds than they do in a longer, more kind of extended race. The point being when it's a very long extended race in the bracket, that doesn't matter so much when it's there against each other. They both just kind of have this long drawn out race. And that was kind of the case here. They So they picked up Dins in Adult Lake using a bean only to clear Shadow and find absolutely nothing. Leaving them with 20 skulls, 30 skulls and chickens. Which... Matilla got first at about an hour and a half in was the hook shot on chickens. It's pretty rough. I mean, getting the first hook shot past the, the hour mark here is already rough enough, but getting it from chickens itself? Come on. Imagine if it was Engineer. If it was Engineer, he's, he has this hook shot five minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. new meta. Oh, God. Oh, uh, engineer would have just crushed the seed. He would have gotten yeah, a sub three. For sure. But this is the thing, you see a lot, like, chickens is one of those things where you see a lot of people who will put it off for as long as they can, and then you'll see a lot of people who just, if you're in CAC, just do it anyway. And there's a, I think there's a fair few people who would have done reasonably well on this. Obviously, not having Song of Storms means you're less likely to go up towards uh, Kakariko as a child. And for the record, the other hookshot was in the well, which was locked by Song of Storms, which was locked by uh, the Forest Medallion Shadow Temple that they both dipped into earlier without the hook. So they both double dip Shadow? Mm-hmm. Oh, my. Yeah, it's it's pretty rough as far as seeds go. Uh, they also had uh, Grudo Training Grounds access uh, with no opponents. Uh, they had a Midstone Forest uh, having a hammer in there, uh, but they picked it up at the two-and-a-half-hour mark, so... Kind of explains the the finish times here. Uh, Mokilla did win with a three hour thirty four minute and fifty seven second finish versus Keizo with a three hour forty two minute and forty two second finish. So you know about eight minutes separating the two of them. So they made a lot of the same decisions. It was really only a matter of uh, Mokilla getting the hook shot on chickens. That was pretty much the game changer, I think, in the seed. It was also the Goron City, because they, they had Goron City wave the hero, and then they had Iron Boots, but they didn't have Sariel Song for Durunian yet, so they were all banking on that Iron Boots play, but in the end, Iron Boots were useless. 
So the whole time, for like an, a whole hour, everyone's thinking all dungeons, thinking toilet, thinking something else, but then it was just Darunia. <laughs> Which was locked behind burning cack as well, so they're so far away from being able to do it, and it was the letter to get a boomerang in ice cavern to then go back and do Jabu afterwards. <laughs> wow. Oh. So it's almost like a case of just being able to do so little in child that you full clear your adult multiple times only to go back child for the last few checks, right? And just last locationing over and over again. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, crazy race, but so Machilla does move forwards, goes up against the winner of uh, Marco and Martin. Yikes. Um, and meanwhile, Keizo will drop down to face the winner of Sanzo and Mean Mido. Again, there are no easy matches in this. <laughs> yeah, there's no slouches here for sure. Uh, all of these players being very good. Um, kind of variably in terms of why they're scary, but you know, they're all scary all the same. The next match we have here, winner's bracket round one, Rasuka Tyrant, the 15th seed versus Namaha, the 18th seed. It's also this, another close match. This was a disaster. Um, so I was on commentary for this one, and the whole time we were following through it, and we were just like, we we knew everything reasonably early um, because they did slightly different things. But the way of the hero hints were the worst, like possibly the worst I have ever seen. They got Colossus Way of the Hero to get Saria's song for forest access. They got both wallets, which was for tunic logic. And then they got the last two hints were the same location. So the hints were pretty much terrible. They just had to kind of, you know, it felt like going back to the old days where we had slightly fewer hints and you just had to kind of figure out where the game was trying to tell you to go with the items you got. Kind of felt like that all over again. Um, Roscoe ended up going to Child Spirit, picking up Hammer and then Strength 1 after the key. Namaha did Bottom of the Well and got the Iron Boots. Namaha did say after the race his intention was to leave Bottom of the Well and go to Child Spirit, but he got so caught up on the Iron Boots that he then followed that instead and ended up going adult and all of that. So Namaha had a very slight, like, edge in terms of execution going all the way through. But that strength that Vroska got led to so much. Speaking of trash hints, uh, just of note here, back in the EU Weekly, all of the way the heroes were pretty bad. It was uh, Death Mountain Trail for Wallet and Light Arrows, Kakariko for Boomerang and Songstorms. That's it. It was a double... Kak way the hero. Kakuri Forest for strength one. And it was only for strength one, nothing else. Uh, usually you would see kind of that, you know, two strengths, three strengths required in a C. And I think some people did get strength three. Uh, and Spirit only had letter. With Goron City, Lost Woods, Shadow being all dead, and Vigoron having a hook shot that no one got. <laughs> And uh, the the five sometimes since we're also pretty bad. It was chickens dead, requiem nocturne hinted, twenty skulls hinted, as well as big pose being dead. So a lot of races nowadays, or at least this week, a lot of trash hints. 
Chickens is always a good hint, though. Always. <laughs> Don't do chickens. Except when it's a hook shot, apparently. I guess that was the the one redeeming factor, but yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so strength one locked the second strength. It locked a long shot in forest. Like, Frosca ended up with just a massive lead there. So they kind of hit go mode at the same sort of time. But because Rosca had picked up strength two, like way earlier, so Namaha still has spirit and fire temple to do compared to Rosca, and then they both had, uh, I think it was shadow to do. So Rosca kind of had too much of a lead by that point and ended up just edging it out by nine minutes. Yeah, that's a tough way to go, especially with a tunic logic kind of being way of the hero here. Like, I think a lot of people had Namaha picked out as somebody here who was a little bit under-seeded, potentially, and was potentially going to make a tear through the bracket. You know, a very scary opponent to face going through. Yeah, I but, had that, yeah. But no, Roska Tyrant, the highest seed, and does go through to face the 31st seed, Killer App, which means loser's bracket round one. ATZ versus Namaha. One of those players is going 0-2 and eliminated. Oh my god. Oh no. Unbelievable. Like, I, I, if any prediction had either of those players going 0-2, I'll be surprised. Yeah, that's a rough one. Oh my god. Yeah, Namaha being the Speed Games Live runner-up and ATZ being the runner-up. Or not just... <laughs> he was the winner of Season 2. Who am I kidding? Season 1. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> and ATZ being the season one winner. And it just so happens we have the Speed Games Live winner with us today as well. Yeah, it's like I'm on both sides of that. So a good a good side with the Speed Gaming Live and a bad side with the season one. Oh, jeez. And that's the thing. It's, it's kind of as well. Players having that 1v1 experience does make a big difference. And I... Kind of, I think that's why a lot of people gave Namaha that edge. He's kind of already shown that he's done pretty well in the 1v1 stuff. He got to the finals of SGL. He's, you know, clearly performed well there and has that experience over a lot of the others. But one decision can swing everything. Yeah, I think it'll depend on the exact seed that they get. But mm. moving on. One decision can swing everything, we say. And... Engineer versus Zeph, winner's bracket round two, where one decision kind of swung everything. Well, the, one of the big, uh, you know, people talk about the Skull Mask hint being too OP because now you always have the information for free, but it's a double-edged sword because when it has something like a bomb bag or a bow or hover boots when Shadow is a stone, well, who knows when you're supposed to do it? And that's what happened with, with Engineer versus Zeph with Hover boots on skull mask. You don't know if it ends up being required or not. But it did end up being required with that mirror shield in deep shadow temple. And I think that ended up being go mode. So that was one of the big factors for engineer here is that he ended up doing skull mask uh, before Xef. It's kind of a weird one because shadow, you know, gets thrown around so much as like, oh, you always end up having to go to shadow and it's so many checks like there's so much in shadow temple that yeah it's pretty reasonable that something gets dropped in there um but when you're told that the hover boots are already slow enough do you really want to go into a stone shadow for that one item 
Yeah, because even if you, you say, okay, I'm going to do skull mass slowly, you're, you're, you're kind of still investing time in doing it. And if you're never going to do it, then it's like completely time wasted. And then if it's like, it's such a huge swing. So it, it all depends on what you do with that information, like as soon as you get the hint. And that was, that was shown in the Mokello Keizo match. Um, Shadow Temple doesn't always have anything. It was completely empty in that match. So Shadow Temple is a definite double-edged sword, I would say, in a lot of seeds. An engineer must have been nervous riding that boat. Like, you don't have anything yet? And you're like, oh my god, did I just do all of Shadow and the Skull Mask and I'm not going to get anything? <laughs> But at that point, you've just got to commit, right? You've taken the risk. You've gone out of your way to get the hover boots. You've gone that far through Shadow Temple. You're like, I've just got to go. If if I've not, if this was wasted time, I've wasted too much time. I can't back out now. It's one of the things we've spoken about a lot: is commit to your risks. Yeah, especially in the one v one setting, it's it's especially important if you just double back at least once or even once, um, it can just lead to your loss. Mm -hmm. As it is, it didn't work out for Zeph this time. There was something in Shadow, and Engineer takes that win. So Duke down uh, Duke down to Zeph, Zeph down to Engineer. Engineer moves on to face uh, the winner of your next match. What the hell's versus Glitchy? Oh, right. So... Whoever wins between me and Glitchy, it's going to be another Canadian matchup. So at least there's that. <laughs> Duke, meanwhile, will be waiting for the loser of Killer App and Roska Tyrant. God, I kind of want Roska to win that now and see if Killer App can go on like a giant killing spree going through. Uh, you don't really see those two players too too often during the week even even during pickup races 1v1s during the week you really don't see a ton of either rosker or killer app these days even in the weeklies you don't see them that often harder to scout yeah there there's not that much known about them i guess uh there's less twitch vods that you can look through less stuff that you can research about them unless you've been playing for a long time um it can be really hard sometimes especially in a 1v1 bracket Two players we, I mean, one of these players we've already spoken about today, two that you see pretty much every week, I think. Our next match, winner's bracket round two, was Cariosa versus Gavaroni. Yeah, the 26th seed with Cariosa, 23rd seed Gavaroni. It was another close match. Yeah, nothing happened for a long time in this one. Crazy bottleneck early on. The, uh,. Bowen, Zora River Grotto, which you can get to early, but whether you do or not is a different question. And that led to a hook shot on the Kakariko shooting gallery. It sure did. I was on the comms for this bracket match, and let me tell you, there's very it was almost a palpable like feeling in the air that everyone in chat had and both racers had i think too they knew it was just the driest opening the tournaments had i think um up until this point yeah it's worth noting an hour and a half in to get the hook shot on cack archery was the same time frame that uh Mochilla and keizo had their hook shot from chickens with two checks left in the logic at that point so it was buried meanwhile carriers and gav of course both had chickens done within you know 
30 minutes or something. They both did that really quickly, but I, yeah, late hook shot, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, they got the hover boots in Forest, so behind that hook shot. They had a Market Way of the Hero. Now, this was a fun one. Market Way of the Hero. I think they hadn't seen anything, but they still had some checks left. They picked up Dins from the big pose. But the only bottles they could get at that point were in Forest. So buried behind that 90-minute hook shot. Or Dampe digging. And to note here, the bottle in Deep Forest was on the boss key chest. And it was also a big po bottle. So it really it really led to I think both players handed in the big po bottle that they got from Forest. Uh, I think they were about five minutes off each other at that point. It, it just kind of worked out. And then they I think one of them got the Dampe digging bottle later on in the seed, but it just, it was kind of crazy just seeing it. It was a medallion forest, and it just had happened to have your Way of the Hero Big Poe bottle for Dens. As it was, there were kind of two big things that really impacted the ending of this seed from there, which the first one was the Tektite Grotto. Um, Gavaroni did not look at that, didn't see that there was a boomerang in there, and so ended up dipping into Jabu and doing Ice Cavern before eventually going back round for it. And then at about the time I think he got that, Cariosa had gone to the Wasteland on the way through and after GTG. Meanwhile, Gav had already gone to GTG and so ended up doing that way earlier and never quite got back to the Wasteland. It was a rough way to go for Gavaroni here. Yeah, Cariosa did take the win. Uh, 3-0-3 on that one. So Cariosa will be moving on to face the winner of Killer App, Roska Tyrant, we just spoke about with the last match. Gav dropping down to face the winner of Mr. Mario and Westifer, who we spoke about earlier as both being terrifying opponents to face. That's crazy. That's with the upsets, right? Because if you go with the seeding, it would have been in winners round three, ATZ Phoenix Feather, I think. Mm -hmm. And now yep. it's Cariosa versus Rosca or Killer. That, that's crazy how <laughs> the early upsets really ended up changing the bracket. Yeah, the only one in those four matches who was the highest, like the higher ranked seed who won was Rosca Tyrant. And Cariosa was the lower seed than Gav. Gav beat Kerox, Cariosa beat Phoenix. Like every single one is the lower seed winning. So if that's anything to go by, we should see Killer App versus Cariosa next round. Yeah, the early upsets really led to, I think, closer races overall throughout the whole bracket here. Mm -hmm. So we've got one more match to talk about before we move on to the uh, the main topic. Uh, this one was two, you know, close friends, uh, Cola and Solly. This was an odd race. This, like, there's a lot going on here. Firstly, Cola had frame rate issues and controller issues throughout, but didn't FPA. So for anyone who doesn't know, fair play agreement, the runners, if they have a tech issue or something like that, can say, invoke the fair play agreement, get up to 15 minutes to basically sort out the problem and recover the time, anything that was lost. 
Cola didn't do that. Cola just stopped for a bit, sorted out the controller, carried on. Outside of that, I don't know how much there is to really say about this race. It was... Solly just refused to do GTG, it seemed. Even the setup for this was quite awkward. Um, Cola was in Gruda training grounds when he had his controller issues, opened up a bloopy chest, just kind of stared at it for about five to six minutes. Meanwhile, I go take a shower, so I waste some time. And I come back, and they're playing again. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, Soli's going on his way to Gruda training grounds. Okay. He, he goes in there. He checks the first two bow chests and just leaves. Goes to Spirit Temple. I'm like, okay. Because the the only thing that was um, the only thing that was pointing to all dungeons in this seed was Spirit Temple, because Requiem was on Ocarina of Time. So in the back of your mind, at least for the runners, they were probably like, "Well, this is this might be all dungeons." And pretty much every other item that led to an all dungeon seed, they already had at that point. The the only thing they were missing really was Requiem for Child Spirit. And I think one item for one of the stone dungeons, but. Uh, everything was pretty delicately placed, I would say, in terms of finding it. And there were multiple items, I think, that were way the hero as well. So, very likely all dungeons, and yet Cola did not go across Wasteland to go check to see if Spirit Temple was locked by Child or not. He just kind of left and did other stuff for a while. He was still missing the boomerang from, I think it was Skull Kid. And when Soli checked Spirit Temple, I thought it was all lost at that point. And yet, he just didn't go to GTG. And, um, well, Kolo eventually found that boomerang and he won. It's kind of one of those things we've, again, something we've spoken about before, where it's really easy in a 1v1 to think you're behind and to think my opponent has already done everything perfectly. My opponent will have already gone to this location they'll have already done these things so it's reasonable to assume that solly was like oh cola will have already done gcg if i go there i lose like if there's something there i've already lost but that doesn't account for the things that solly has done instead and the things that cola might have missed elsewhere it's it's really easy to get caught into that trap of oh, my opponent, if my opponent's done this, I've already lost. That doesn't apply until both of you are reasonably one item from go mode. I think it's uh, it's one of those things when, uh, for a viewer, it's really frustrating. Let's say you're a viewer who hasn't really done any 1v1s or anything, and you're used to watching. Well, you're not in the mindset of the player that's like alone in his room versus one another person. And the stress levels, they, they get pretty high. So you, you start overthinking, even though it's, it's like, you, you know it might not be the right play. You just get to yourself in your own head. So as a viewer, it can be frustrating. If you're a Soli fan, you're just like, go to GTG. But even though it wasn't the right play, you can kind of understand like where he's coming from, even mm -hmm. though it wasn't, it didn't pay off. Yeah, I, I can say that like, there's countless times that, you know, I've, done 1v1s or in the multi-world tournament or stuff like that where it's been like okay they will have already done this because it was available early so we should do other stuff first but at that point you kind of need to sit back and think well hold on 
what else could they have missed along the way? Because if they're missing something entirely different that you've already got, then yeah, push that. Push that good location because it's a good location. But yeah, as it was, despite all of the issues that Kola had, Kola did take the win here pretty much on that one decision. So the 22nd seed beating the 11th in the last round one match. So that means Kola goes on to face Benuru. And uh, Solly will go on to face our uh, our other host who's not here today, uh, Riley. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, that's an interesting one, because I think Solly and Cola, Solly and Cola are both people that a lot of people picked to make a bit of a run through the tournament. Um, I know Riley was kind of scared about his first two matches a little bit no matter who they ended up like who it ended up being in the second round but I, anything can happen right and it, like there's so much and to be honest i i personally i give riley a good shot in that i think he's got a very good chance especially with the way he's been playing the past past few days i think it was just last night he just won a five-player race with all top 32 players so uh, and they were all seated higher than him, so definitely has a good shot here. Alrighty, should we uh, dive in on this? These uh, sanities. Oh yes. So last week we spoke about opening routes as a, in general in weekly settings, the kind of different options: your three song, your early adult. This week we're looking at the kind of more the variety, the casual, the you know, less less commonly raced at least so there's a whole bunch of settings that can change there's a whole lot that we can talk about i guess if we start off with the ones that don't impact your opening routes that much and we will just be focusing on opening routes today not the mid game not the late game there's a lot of these will change things further into a seed but don't really do much in the early game. I guess, as a prime example, boss keys. What boss keys are you going to be caring about in your first 30, 40 minutes of gameplay? Yeah, that's like adding five mirror shields to the pool. Like, what are you going to do with five <laughs> mirror shields 10 minutes in? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only real boss key that could really affect that is like Forest Temple. Yeah. Maybe Fire Temple, if you get like a Hammer Start, Hammer Mido's kind of situation. But other than that, they don't really affect the openers. Some other things that can really not have a ton of changes as far as your opening route goes here. Uh, bean Sanity. So if you have the beans that the Bean Salesman sells you at the river, uh, if they're randomized, they're randomized as a 10-pack. They can be anywhere in the seed as an item. And then the Bean Salesman will just sell you a random item for 60 rupees. Generous guy. It's it's one check most of the time. Mm -hmm. You you maybe you want to pick up beans early. So if you see something on the graveyard ledge, the TARDIS. Um, if you see something up on that heart piece, maybe you want to go buy beans, but you can't. That's about it. There's not really much else. You know, you get one more check if you go to the river, and if you get into the river as child specifically, and maybe you can't quite root in a couple of checks here and there that you'd want to but it's 
one check here, two checks there, that's it. It only really affects four checks overall anyway, that matter at least. Mm -hmm. Cows are a, one, a subtle one. I don't think cows change much, even though it feels like they should. Because you can get the cows really early, but unless you're playing with other things shuffled like Song Sanity, which, you know, we'll talk about more, because that one does change things, sure. But if you're playing with just cow shuffled, great, you get a couple more checks as you go through Lon Lon Ranch, you pick up four more checks there, you maybe do Gerudo Valley, you prioritize that a little bit more for one extra check, and that's about it. Yeah, it's really only is opponent's way here or not. If it's not, well, probably don't need to check the cows or at least prioritize them that well. Uh, and and Gerudo card can also be randomized. Um, that's not an early game item, so I think we can move on. Yeah, open fountain, same sort of thing. Yes, you could rush there really early, but there's not that much to do there early anyway. I guess if you get ZL early, then you can go in and do Ice Cavern stuff, but that doesn't help that much still. Like, it basically means that you, you're more likely to do Ice Cavern still kind of at the tail end of your early game at that point. Mm -hmm. And, well, I've got a cool setting for you. Have you ever heard of a little thing called Triforce Hunt? I only actually, I did my first two Triforce hunts in preparation for this episode, and they are incredible. They're so much fun. Interestingly, I don't think they change much for your opening routing. I think they do, but not much. Yeah, I think they affect more mid-game and late-game, right? Like, sometimes you won't go to, into deep to a stone dungeon, but for the early game, I think you're still checking everything. Yeah, I think the only thing they really shift is I think your hints are less valuable in a Triforce Hunt. So for anyone who doesn't know, Triforce Hunt doesn't have Way of the Hero because generally speaking, you have 20 pieces you need to get, 30 in the seed um, as the standard. I think that can be changed. But uh, instead of getting Way of the Hero, you get Path of Gold, which basically says... If you follow this, it will lead you to a Triforce piece. But you don't have to get that Triforce piece specifically. You can get a different 20. So I think it's a little less valuable than the hints in a normal seed where you can really piece together exactly what you have to do. Yeah, the standard Triforce hunt seed here, having 20 pieces required to get out of 30 placed in the seed. So two-thirds uh, ratio. Mm -hmm. And uh, the hints, Pog. Pog? Pog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because, like, I... So I've spoken before about liking Lon Lon Ranch to Gerudo Valley mostly for the hints that you get on the way. I think that's really bad in Triforce Hunt because the hints don't matter much and it's only a handful of checks. For Triforce Hunt specifically, I, I think I agree. It's more about the density early on and pretty much throughout the whole seed. Um, you're only really looking for the items that will lead you to more Triforce pieces. So I think the hints are actually more potent in Triforce Hunt, uh, at least for me. Mm -hmm. So you definitely want to get 
the most um, the most number of hints overall is... and valley lake just doesn't have that in my opinion valley having one lake having three really i mean yeah, I see. I think that's good. I think the hint strength there is to do with the hint distribution because we normally use tournament hints for racing, and Triforce Hunt uses strong or very strong most of the time. I think it's the strong and very strong hints that make that difference there. I have a, a question though. So Path of Gold, uh, it could lead to a Triforce piece in Ganon's Castle, right? If you're playing all medallions. So sometimes can't that lead to like. Maybe not misinformation, but if it just leads to something that helps you beat all dungeons to get one Triforce piece in Ganon's Castle, I guess that's like the only problem with the hints if you start following them. We, yeah, we did a race a uh, couple of days ago, yesterday, I think, with um, Shadow Temple ended up, we did Open Bridge, but Shadow Temple was locked behind, Burning Kakariko was Nocturne, and there were three pieces in Shadow locked behind water as one of the medallions and so we ended up getting these path of gold hints that led to the iron boots and the long shot meanwhile other someone else is off doing everything unrelated to that doesn't get <laughs> baited by the hints and beats everyone else so there is definitely that potential to be baited a little bit harder otherwise i think it's just i think your songs are still just as important though so in terms of you know, three song early adult, it's still just check density versus song routing. I think it just, you care a little more or less about hints depending on the settings. And otherwise just, yeah, pretty much the same, I think. Okay, well, if Triforce Hunt's not your thing, I've got another cool little setting here. Uh, it's called Dungeon Skulls. Oh, yes. Give me that. Give me the Dungeon Skulls. So Dungeon Skulls, to be fair, in opening routes don't do much. Um, <laughs> I played probably more Dungeon Skull Seeds than I should have. Um, we spoke a lot last time about how good early Deku Tree is. Um, I'm curious, what the hell is, what's your view on early Deku in general? No, I love early Deku because I like, I like early adult already, but I like early Deku because it gives you potentially... Uh, explosives and then maybe a hookshot or hover boots and then you can all combine that to get all three songs in your er early adult so I like doing early Deku because it maximizes the potential for early adult usually like I'll, I'll still won't do it if I don't get anything in Gikiri Forest but if I get some money or sticks or mm -hmm. I'll do it it can, lead yeah. to, it can lead to going up Death Mountain Trail I almost forgot the name of it up to Goron City, up through Crater, up through Sacred Forest Meadow, instead of having to backwalk across Hyrule Field to Kakuri Forest for Sacred Forest Meadow. So it, it can save a lot of time even just doing that. And finding your, your hookshot, your explosives that early, it, it can really add up and push you forward through a seed. So with Dungeon Skulls in, there's an interesting kind of mind game going on with dungeon skulls generally for the most part it doesn't change much of your early routing the big thing is that the deku tree into dongo's cavern becomes stronger so if you do get so something like explosives or strength in mido's house then maybe you're that little bit more tempted to do early adult than you would be otherwise um you need a few more rupees to really push the deku tree or you can save scum some deku sticks in the basement but 
there's those few extra checks. The flip side to that is they also become a little bit riskier. So maybe you don't want to push them as early because you're going to be leaving behind the back skull in the Deku tree. You're probably going to be leaving behind the Scarecrow skull in Dodongo's cavern if you rush straight for them. For the most part, though, that's it. You're early game routing. You're not going to see much outside of Deku tree and Dodongo's cavern as far as dungeons go. Maybe you dip forest if you get a hook shot a little more than you would otherwise. Dipping dungeons is much better in dungeon skulls, to be fair. And there are a few other settings that have kind of minimal changes um, to opening routes and again, kind of affecting early Deku or dungeon access with key sanity, meaning the keys for dungeons are in the item pool. So they can be in the overworld, they can be in other dungeons, etc really only any keyless dungeon should be done first where possible. So we're talking about Deku Tree, Dodongo's Cavern, Jabu IC, and Bomb of the Well. It doesn't really affect your openers that much. Really all it affects is what is the most accessible as far as key dungeons go and what where can I go deepest logically. Mm -hmm. Also makes your hints a bit worse. I feel like you're going to get, oh, yeah. you know, this place is way of the hero. It was a small key for forest. <laughs> Yeah. Um, some other settings, uh, shop sanity zero, meaning normal shop items and they're just between the shops. Really only stops Deku tree sometimes and that's about it. As well as closed Deku, uh, meaning you need Deku shield and Kakuri sword. And well, if you have Kakuri sword randomized already, you just have to buy Deku shield. So it really only de depends on what else you mix it with. Yeah, it's just basically that is you can't do the early Deku tree. Otherwise, mm -hmm. pretty much everything else is the same. Yeah, if you play with a group of friends, maybe five or six people, and they all do Deku first, and you want to shake up the meta, turn on a closed Deku. Um, the other one with that is your, your setting here, the dungeon entrance randomizer, which that's another way to potentially take out that early Deku play is make it not be the Deku tree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Dungeon ER here really just shakes up when you do stuff. Um, your opener really just becomes finding out which dungeon is which for the first hour or so. And then based on logic, based on where things have to be in terms of being accessible, you can kind of figure out where the other dungeons are. Some good things to know here what can be accessed only by adults with forest, water, ice cavern, and GTG, and what can only be accessed by child with Jabu Jabu and Bomb of the Well as far as entrances go will really kind of inform your routing. Bottom of the Well, I think, can you get in there as adult? Oh, now? wait. Yeah, um, you actually can get there. That's my yeah, bad. Yeah, you have to open um, it as child, but you can get in as adult. Yeah, right. they opened up Bottom of the Well, Deku Tree, and Fire to no longer be locked by age. Yeah, easy mistake to make. Mm -hmm. I've definitely seen a fair few races that have been decided by, you know, oh, this dungeon was in fire. Can I do this as adult? Like, Jabu Jabu's in fire. What what am I meant to do? For the most part, that's the only big change with dungeon entrances, though. Yeah, you can leave the spirit hands. So if spirit is at Deku Tree and you leave the hands and enter Colossus, eh, that's some good information you can get. But Pushes your song routing that little bit further, potentially. 
Yeah, I love that that logic tidbit. That like maybe if Decretur has Spirit Temple, once Child Spirit is in logic, you get that actually your <laughs> Colossus access. I just love that they made it a thing for just dungeon ER. It's so good. There was a race, uh, I think it was one of the variety, the evening variety setting race not too long ago, and I remember watching someone playing in it, and it was Closed Door of Time. And they did their three song, they did all their early song routing, and they were like, I don't have Song of Time, where could it possibly be? And they were sat there, like, trying to figure out, they were like, I, I must have missed something, I must have done something wrong. And then it suddenly hit that they were like, Oh my god, I'm meant to get every spirit key. My Song of Time is at the Colossus. It's so good. It's just so good. It's mind-blowing every time. Every every time someone does Dungeon ER for the first time. Because you think it's just a dungeon. It's not overworld. And then you're in Decretree, but you're in Spirit Temple, and then you just walk out, and you're in the desert? Like, what? what, what is this? <laughs> yeah, it's something you only see on Dungeon Entrance Randomizer. So when it, whenever it happens, it's always kind of pretty funny and kind of... Uh... If you plan around it, it can be pretty satisfying. And moving on to the major change settings here. Speaking of entrance randomizer. Oh no. Yes, we have the scary settings as far as sanities and you know weird non-standard settings go. Uh, entrance randomizer can be broken up into two parts here. We have overworld and indoor. Uh, one's definitely scarier than the other, right? I like indoor en entrances. I, I don't know how you can like full entrance at all. <laughs> so good. Oh, I think the the thing I like about full overworld ER, it's like you know how we so people have their map trackers, where here you're actually building the map of Hyrule like step by step, and it's just I don't know. I like to have that second level of having to think about the logic of the seed. But the way I see it is like, there's not really an opener, right? You're kind of, I kind of see uh, information in overall ER as progression because you want to know where things are. So, you know, we always want to rush progression. Well, here you kind of want to rush information. So you're kind of just trying to do as many, uh, as many zones as you can as quickly as possible. So I, I don't know about openers or if you can call it an opener for overall ER. Yeah, I guess assuming like everything else is standard, I, I feel like your opening routes are figure out your pathways as quickly as you can. Like, how do I get to the market? How do I get to Kakariko? How do I get to Hyrule Field? You figure out your kind of major network points and then you want to find your big like hubs of indoor entrances. You know, you want to find Kakiri Forest and Kakariko so that you can get to your Temple of Time. Yeah, that's gonna uh, pay off so much in the late game too. Like you, you don't notice it in the early game, but like that extra information you got might save you minutes, like three hours in. Yeah, field is the real big thing to find in overworld. At least it, it leads to most of the other entrances for overworld. Also, one that's depending on the settings really important to find is the bridge from Kakiri Forest to. Hyrule Field. You need to get your ocarina somehow. Yeah, if you don't randomize ocarina, that is the only way to really to get it. And similarly, for indoor ER, uh, it's a little bit more accessible, I think, um, to more racers. It's, it's easier to think about. The map's already pretty much in place. It's just 
you know, what's in this building? What's in that building? The, the three big areas in the game to go to, for me, I think the opener to do most every time for indoor is check your Kakure Forest, then go check your market, and then go check Kakariko. It's just the den- the density of indoor entrances just make these the best areas in the game, in my opinion, and you're way, way likely to find Temple of Time in one of those areas. And if it's not there, well, now you have an interesting seat on your hands. I think with indoor only as well, at that point, you can get away with doing three song pretty much every time. You, you know, you don't have to go and find your Temple of Time. There's no other option, really. So you might as well go and do your three song routing and try and, you know, you get to look at London Ranch along the way. You get to see what all of those entrances are. You get to do both night and day market. You get to see what those are. There's just so much efficiency within those. But maybe after London Ranch, instead of where normally you would either save quit or go to Gerudo Valley, you go off to Kakariko. Yeah, that is a good point that Indoor really doesn't prevent you from doing three songs. So I think if you're used to the the season three settings that a lot of people race on nowadays, it's really easy to change over to Indoor only ER. I think the only other thing that's worth noting for both of these is... Um the new grottos the ones that you don't tend to see in standard settings so if you get early explosives or an early hammer or something you've got to remember that there's that fairy fountain across hyrule fields that you just never touch in normal settings because it's just a vanilla fairy like a basic fairy fountain the west field grotto the, the also, Ranch Grotto. I always forget that one. That's a, that's a big one, especially if you're doing three songs. Don't forget your Lone Ranch Grotto in the back. Oh, yeah. Also, the, the northmost grotto. Uh, there's one across that river. Wait, uh, northmost? Which one? So, you know oh, the is that the, that was, Grotto. That's yeah. the one I mean. That was the, that was the fairy fountain one I meant. Oh, one. okay. Okay. Also, there's uh, the Valley Strength 2 Grotto. There's the Colossus Strength 2 Grotto. Yeah, DMT Cow. There's just tons of stuff you always pass, and if if you never do it, it's really easy to forget about it. So the flip side to this, if we're saying that this is the route where you can't do early adult, you kind of have to do three song, shuffling the weird egg. At that point, three song is just gone like completely yeah. gone it's a rough setting i want so to try that, that now it's on its own it's weird like weird weird egg oh well um on its own it's like sometimes it feels like it's just no different you get your weird egg really early and you're just like all right whatever i did early adult into three song as normal other times you your weird egg is buried in the fire temple and you're just like what on earth am i playing right now the the major thing with this is that you basically have to go to your early adult. So where you were saying earlier that early Deku tree is good, early Deku, forcing early Deku becomes so much better if you've shuffled the weird egg. I think similarly, early adult also becomes very good. Uh, you get a lot of songs, you get a lot of info. You don't have to go to the Zelda's Lullaby check, really. 
I think it's pretty much hinted every time if, if something's going to be on the ZL check or within either, you know, the opponent's check, Sarya's check, Egg's going to be way of the hero. And when it happens, you just got to be prepared for it. And mm-hmm. Pretty similarly, actually, shuffling the ocarinas as well. There's two you can find instead of one, but it's the same sort of thing. You you can get that first song this time. You can pick up the first one and from uh, the castle, and you can pick up the Saria song one. But then you leave behind London Ranch, and that doesn't feel good. So again, early adult becomes even stronger, which means early Deku becomes even stronger because you can tie those two in really efficiently. But then you leave the windmill behind the song. That's what. <laughs> that's what's rough about shuffling ocarina. Both child and adult have a, a song you need ocarina for. Yeah, opponents and mm-hmm. song of storms. I guess you kind of almost always want to do your first song, see what it is, and then decide from there if you should be going adult to do. If it's a warp song, go adult and get the next like song from the chain if you can. And if it's something like Prelude or Serenade, you can go to the Saria check and get your song there and then get back easily. Just kind of pick and choose based on what song you find. Yeah, Ocarina Shuffle is just its just going to be a lot of backwalking across field, I feel like, almost every time. <laughs> so if you like that, turn it on for sure. I mean, we're saying about all the songs, so Song Sanity, this... Song Sanity is interesting because, like, how much can we talk about rooting for Song Sanity? It feels like it takes all of the direction out of a seed. I think it's really, really dependent on what else you have turned on in terms of sanities, weird settings. If it's just Song Sanity and it's standard three settings, not really a big fan of it. It it doesn't really add a ton to the seed, I feel like. I feel like you just push density every time at that point, and certain certain checks just end up being insanely high value. If you find Zelda's Lullaby early, great. If your Zelda's Lullaby is in child spirit, what? Like then it becomes a train wreck because you've got to get your requiem, you've got to get your like you've got all these things that you have to do locking it. Mm-hmm. It's in terms of opening routes, I think it means again. You absolutely do early adult. Early Deku into early adult is incredible. Um, Your hints become much more valuable because you aren't going to get, you know, oh, look, Sacred Forest Meadow's Way of the Hero, probably for one of the songs. If you see Sacred Forest Meadow Way of the Hero, you're actually like, oh, God, do I need to go and get the weird egg? Like, do I need to go and do the three song route? And I guess the other thing with that is that if you're going early adult, then suddenly your Kakariko becomes much more important, your Dodongo's Cabin becomes much more important. So those early dungeons really come into play, which I guess means Song Sanity would work quite well with Dungeon Skulls, but... I, th- I think it does. I think it works better, but not. I, I, I'm not a fan of Song Sanity, so... <laughs> yeah, I, I have a hard time defending Song Sanity as a setting, Um it just takes a lot of the fun out of a seed, I feel like. It takes out a lot of the consistency out that you get from finishes. So if you turn Song Sanity on, who knows how long that seed's going to take. It's The songs could be on... <laughs> who even knows? 
Adult fishing could have a song. <laughs> We've done a three-player multi-world before where uh, we did Song Sanity and like one or two other things. It was like a handful of things, but one of them was Song Sanity. And my Ganon's Castle had one player's Requiem and then their child side spirit had the third player Zelda's lullaby. Yikes. It's just, it's just gross. It's just a gross setting. I do like sometimes that at least the, sometimes you won't have to go see Zelda. We're so used to seeing Zelda every single seed. At least sometimes in Song Sanity, you won't have to do the three song loop at all. So no Zelda, no Malin, no Saria sometimes. Yeah, Zelda just shows up at the end and hands you a sword, and you're like, who are you again? I'm so, what? <laughs> I guess that's part of the reason why a Triforce Hunt's really fun. Uh, you, you never face Ganon. It just warps you to the credits once you find your 20th piece, so... Every seed feels different. Like, oh, there's yeah. no set route once you get through the... Uh... I guess the early game is the only place where Triforce Hunt is consistent, like, consistently like a race setting. Mm-hmm. So the other thing we've not spoken about, I think the last one to talk about is uh, one that's designed to make things a little more friendly in terms of the sanities, which is shops. You can go from zero to four. I think zero doesn't change much. It's just you can't force Deku Tree unless you get your Deku Shield really early. So generally you want to go Kakiri Shop, no Deku Shield, go to the market, go adult. Yeah, shop shop for item sanity. Now that I think that's where all the hype is. You just see it so often with a bunch of variety settings races. You see it in the multi-world settings. So mm-hmm. I I feel like a lot of people like the setting because it's I see it consistently turned on in a lot of races. It it kind of acts as a balancing act. It's really good at like making things more accessible early. So if you've got a lot of other sanities, shops can kind of level the playing field a bit, bring it back down to kind of a normal feeling. Um, on the flip side to that, it also does shake up your consistency. You can't do early Deku Tree. You can't necessarily get a Hylian shield. Um, at multi-world, I did a multi-world today where the first the, uh, the Hylian shield was in Zora's Domain. The scale was buried away in the middle of nowhere the bombs were quite late so for half the seed i didn't have a shield i love shops with uh with indoors er because i think that's when it really gets the its full potential because like sometimes maybe you get a shop that has your boomerang in ganon's castle fairy or something then yeah i think shops work really well when you mix them in with other settings i think on its own shops is just kind of and it, it, the other thing with shops is that you almost have to start with max rupees. So every time you get a wallet, it fills the wallet. Because otherwise, you do spend half the game just jumping up and down the Hyrule Castle Bridge farming rupees, and it gets really boring after a while. And it always adds another wallet on Shop Sanity, so there's three potential wallets that you can go find. Up to 9.99 rupees. A lot of refills. Yeah. I think shops work really well with other things. I think it's fine. I think it's one of the things that makes shop sanity as good as it can be. I think it's great with a, at least indoor entrance randomizer. It's definitely one that I like. It, I think it's quite good with keys and boss keys shuffled. It feels like it's an equalizer where any of these other settings that kind of get to the point where you can't streamline a route, songs kind of snap it back into place. 
The problem with that being, I think it also really streamlines your opening routes. So early on, I think you do just... The, I think the best, uh, like, I'm just going to say now, I think there is straight up a single best opening for uh, for Shop Sanity. Zero yeah. to four, doesn't matter. Which is, you go into your Kakiri shop. If you can do Deku Tree from there, you do it. Otherwise, you do Grotto to Owl. And then you do the market. You get your daytime shops, your nighttime shop. And then go adult. And you get your cat shops. Oh, you daytime shops into adult nighttime shops if you've got the time for that as child you get your one song and then go adult for cat shops i think there's just a lot of value in those early shops early checks get them over and done with as quickly as possible yeah because why would you do something else at this point like the concentration of checks is just too good in market and cac so what else are you going to do valley lake no like you just you just can't justify it that early. It's not like you're gonna gamble valley early when you have all those checks on on the way. So, not to mention like you know that everyone is gonna do those fairly early. So the question then becomes like, what am I losing from not doing them? Potentially a lot. What am I gaining them from doing them now? Like it. I think it's a play that is. I'm aiming to be consistent and win early. It's you have nothing to gain by doing those shops early, but you can lose them by you lose by skipping them. Now that I think about it, I think shop sanity is probably just the best variety setting. It it pairs well with pretty much any other variety setting, and it it, it by itself is just a fine setting with standard three settings. It doesn't go well with skulls. Because if you've got your skull checks in, a lot of the time you have to buy skulls. I, I have a hard time believing that. I just. Well, it happened. It happened on a Freaky Friday where it was a, um, a spoiler log race, and we had to use the spoiler log to buy forty Skullchilla tokens. It was horrible. Oh, the Zelda's <laughs> lullaby on fifty skulls. Yeah. Yeah, we had to. <laughs> look for 40 skulls anywhere in the world and that included buying a bunch <laughs> oh, no. go on a shopping spree buying sculptula tokens that was great i want to do a spoiler log tournament when could we start that <laughs> yeah like it, it's it's definitely clunky because you can have to buy all of the skulls but more often than not it just means your song sanity doesn't make a difference because you just walk into a shop and you're like there's two junk items and two skulls i'm leaving and so many of your shop slots are just taken up by skulls instead. So I think overall, three song changes a lot under a lot of these settings. And early adult, it's kind of a nice middle ground to, to choose for a lot of them as well. Mm. I feel like most of the settings have a clear preference on which one you do, but there's very little that's neither i guess like full entrance randomizer is the only like overworld entrance randomizer is the only one where you're really doing something different you're really kind of going out your way to not do either of three song or early adult because you're doing whatever the game gives you do you think it's because 
all these settings haven't been as developed as like the regular season settings because like we all like play these settings like once in a while maybe once a week but we're not like watching these races all the time and there's not like a meta that's been developed yet so i do wonder at some point if there's some kind of tournaments like th these could be optimized and we there could be another podcast in a couple of months where we're like no 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 if you're doing shop sanity you don't want to brush market <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for some definitely. Like the multi world tournament has that had that. So the multi world one is on scrubs and shops. And scrubs are another one that don't really change much because most of them are just on the direct route anyway. But one of the big things that came out of that was people were starting the game, checking the Kakiri shop, checking Mido's house, and then going into the Lost Woods and getting the scrub by under the bridge. And then resetting. Just get the information, see if it's important. In multi-world, if it's for someone else, then you don't need to save. You just send them their item and then reset anyway. But you get the, that early scrub out of the way, you then reset, keep the money, keep the information because you got the hints along the way, and then leave and do whatever else you were going to do. So there's definitely some optimization to have within there, but... In terms of things like full entrance rando, song sanity, I think there are some that are such big changes that they cannot be optimized. You just have to kind of play to what you're handed. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> when we see a song sanity tournament, I... What? <laughs> if we see a song sanity tournament, whoever want takes the, you know, whoever wants to pick up optimizing that, be my guest. I will leave that to anyone else. <laughs> Optimize a Freaky Friday tournament. <laughs> yes. Different setting every round. Let's go. Oh, my yeah. God. Have we got anything more to add? Kind of settings on a whole or how Not it shifts openers. the openings? Yeah. I'm sure we'll come back in a, a month or two and be like, so that mid game, how does that work? Right. <laughs> There's a lot more to like the set, the way they shift in that is going to be eh, pretty different. But I'm sure we'll get to that one some other time. Uh, for now, I want to thank everyone for listening. If you haven't already, check out on the OTR Discord. We do have a Gossip Stone podcast channel. You can pick up the role in the chatbot channel. Type exclamation mark role podcast. That will tell you when we release a new episode. You'll get pinged for that one. Give us feedback. Let us know what you want to see us talk about, what you want to see us change. This is very much a by the community, for the community kind of thing. So please let us know what you want to see. And again, we'd like to thank uh, What the Hell's Happened for being on the episode this week. Uh, thanks. It was fun. And good luck with the podcast. You guys do a good job. Yeah, it's great to have you on, a voice of the community, and a great runner. And for all of us, I'm Emo Soto. I'm Yoshi Kim. And we'll see everyone next time on the Gossip Stone Podcast. Mm -hmm.